If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. And thank you for tuning in. I'm Dominic Swantowski, the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. So in the last podcast, episode seven of season three, we talked about finding your water and finding space. And we acknowledge that everyone wants this. Everyone. I don't know any fisherman who sets out to fish beside a bunch of strangers for the day. Because part of the experience we seek is getting away from everything else in life for just a bit. No matter where you are, having some space and some water to call your own is a primary draw. So when you do find a section of river, when you're deep into the process of dissecting a riffle, run, or pool, One of the worst and most frustrating things that can happen is having another angler walk in on you, specifically when they wade into the water you are fishing or that you plan to fish very shortly. It's no fun, and it can be maddening. It can also absolutely ruin your day. In some ways, this experience is inevitable. If you fish often enough, you're going to get front-ended, probably sooner rather than later. And how should we deal with it? Is there really any good way to open up a dialogue with someone who rudely jumps in front of you? And does that ever end well? And how much water should we expect to be granted on the river? What's the standard anyway? Also, if you round the bend on your walk-in and you see another angler set up in exactly the same water you planned to fish, where should you go? What's the acceptable distance? How much room should we give each other on the river? So that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Just like last week, this episode deals with space on the river. But this time, it's not about finding space as much as how to share space. Sometimes we're forced into sharing more than we'd like, really. 
Other times, there's simply no question that another angler has broken the code. And how do we deal with that? Now, this is our topic this evening. All right, so I'm joined again by the Trout Pitten crew, Austin Dando, Matt Grobe, Josh Darling, and Trevor Smith. Now, sadly, <laughs> Bill Dell won the poll last week, so I was going to list him first. But he's at camp and guiding for Trout Pitten. So cheers, Bill. You won. You could have been listed first. You're here. Alas, you know. So Dom, you're just being nice. <laughs> right. Um, Bill got kicked off for arguing too much on the last episode. Right. He's too disagreeable. <laughs> Anybody want to say anything negative about Bill while he's not here? <laughs> Stop long arming those pictures. Big fish Bill. pictures. <laughs> <laughs> the wide angle lenses. <laughs> yeah, we ro- we roasted him a little bit. Yeah. What's he doing? 18 millimeter. 16 millimeter. <laughs> oh, 16 millimeter lens. Real long torsos. Long arming is uh, what's well, a specialty, right? And it's funny because oh, there's no it, doubt, right? You can get away with a little bit, but there, there's a very fine line, right? It's like, well, now that was too much jammed into the camera, and then the picture right beside it can just be like six inches back, and it looks pretty good. Matt, can you speak to that? Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> look, my thing with it is, it's there's nothing wrong with long arming and showing off your fish because a lot of people that get called out for long arming will say, oh, "I'm just showing out the fish, showing off yeah. the fish," as you should, right? An 18 inch fish yeah, is great. Sure. My issue, I guess, with some of it is when you're when you have 50 fish deep on your feed and they're yeah. all you know, 18 to twenties that are just the yeah. same long armed. Like, <laughs> I mean, some, at some point that's kind of like, <laughs> at what I don't point? know. What's is the, that just me? What's the point? It's just kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's just like, okay, we get the picture. Like yeah. that one was as pretty as the 50th one. Like that's funny because <laughs> people know. who are new to the game, let's say, and new to like posting pictures, they get some forgiveness, but for how long, Matt? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and look, right? I'm all for it. Congratulations, like you're you're on to something. But I change it up once in a while. I don't know. That's just me. Yep. Fish pictures, man. Like I've said before, it's like it's a whole different realm. It's a culture. You will get judged so often. Yeah. Now their videos are happening though. A, a lot of videos yeah. on IG recently. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I feel like people are yeah. switching to that. Mm-hmm. Is that just me or is that, do you guys see the same thing? No, no, no. I see it. They made a pretty big announcement a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Instagram did that they were going to start they, really pushing video okay. a lot more and just trying to make For it more sure. a video platform. Obviously, we've seen that all with reels over the last year and a half, but. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I guess, guess we'll, maybe we'll be able to spot burn some more. You know, people will get sloppy <laughs> with that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> we're always watching. <laughs> That's right. Bill Dell's watching. Bill, Bill Dell's it. always watching. <laughs> Bill Dell doesn't need a video to know where you are. No, <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. That's true. That's true. He doesn't need the video. He can tell. Bill is the best. You he is anybody yeah. listening here? Mm-hmm. Unreal. You guys already understand. Bill is yeah. the best at just seeing exactly where you are. He's like, oh, that person was, you know, it, it's such and such access at this bridge or whatever. Whatever. Bill is so good at it. I've only seen that cloud on this creek. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I think he has a photographic memory of sorts. Yeah. Right? Mm. Like a fishing photographic memory. I'm not kidding. Well, yeah, Yeah. he's he's also real good at spotting like uh, the same fish from trout. You know, like, Mm, I know that spot pattern. What? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that trout before. Like, get out of here. And and then he'll he'll show you. Yeah, I caught it before. 
No, he's something. <laughs> he's special. Tonight, there'll be more agreement rather than disagreement without Bill here. That's right. No, we miss you, Bill. It's going to be yeah. a very, very jolly night. Jolly. <laughs> jolly. <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so we're still getting questions from listeners. That's always good. Thank you, everyone. Uh, many of you this week, I actually, I'm going to say I answered 10 questions this week that I knew I wasn't going to uh, include here in, in the podcast. We're only answering one this evening. Keep them coming, though. Keep them coming. Like I said, I'll, I'll answer you, but there can be only one sometimes on the podcast. Austin, will you read this one? Yeah, sure thing. All right, so this one comes from Mark on the south fork of the Snake River. That's where he is. All right, that's where Mark's at. Mark's a good dude. We've been in touch before. I like Mark. Good deal. Hi, Dom. I know you're always asking for good roundtable questions to start the podcast. As I was sitting at the fly tying desk, avoiding the skiff of snow outside my window, I wonder if you guys have secret patterns. If so, how long do they last before either the fish get wise or other people catch on? I know the fly isn't the most important thing, but sometimes a pattern does make a real difference. Thanks for all you guys do. Best wishes. I have a secret pattern. I thought you'd jump in on this. <laughs> I like you. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer I, uh, in a handful. I mean, I think there's, yeah. um, you know, and I, I, I can talk to the creator of that pattern, Mr. Mister uh, Owner of Trout Pitting over here, but that one in particular. <laughs> the secret of secrets. Oh, yeah, that I was that I was fortunate enough to become a part of, and, and I got let in on the secret from that point yeah. on. That, yeah. fly, that fly out fish is... Still is. I mean, it's on my line 94% of the time from coast to coast, and it... And it's awesome. <laughs> like the legend of the trumpet and fly is gonna only grow from here. That's right. Because I think that's, yeah. that's probably the case for most of us. That right. fly that's is true. usually on our line. Yeah, usually. And then it's an interesting, uh, interesting fly in the sense that that particular pattern might not be the first fly you use on a western tailwater. Right. Okay. You wouldn't think to t- throw that fly. I do, and I I kill it. On it, right. like, there's no rhyme or reason as to why right. it works. People will tell on you a cr- on a yeah. you know midge factory at size 24, you know mm-hmm. midges and whatnot. And I throw that on, and you know you'd be like, "What? What are you using? Don't worry about it. I have to cut my line out before <laughs> I pull it out of the water. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's often a surprise here too. You know, if mm. if yeah. I tie it on while I'm guiding, people go, "Really? Yeah, <laughs> just fish it." Yeah. Fish it hard. So let me ask you this, though, Matt. Um, if if everybody else knew about that fly, I guess this is to Mark's question: Would it make a difference? Yeah, I I think it would. Um, okay. Personally, I am weird about that. I think if you are on the forefront of some hmm. newer pattern, or um, and and look, Dom, you, I think you taught me. I mean, you went through so many A B test testing on this pattern with the particular yeah. materials. Yeah. That I see a lot of different variations of it out here. Sure. And it just doesn't fish. <laughs> like the same. They just don't fish. And right. so that was the baseline for me to start, like, basically thinking about that in other patterns I fish. And and, mm. and I'm always nice. pushing myself to to hone in that different dubbing or the, the different soft hackle <laughs> in hopes that I find that magic that next magic fly. And I think I've come across two or three. 
um, that are staples in my box that you can't buy at a fly shop. I love that. Yeah. So I'm a believer that to Mark's question, I mean, I think there are a handful of patterns that, you know, are worth keeping close to your chest, um, you know, or, or, or with your close knit buddies. And I think it's, it's fun. I mean, that's part of the fly fishing that I love is AB testing patterns a little bit. I think it's fun too, to kind of keep some secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then we, it wasn't episode Agreed. one of season three about secrets. And we addressed yeah. that. Secrets are kind of fun. They're real fun. I agree. What do you think with a special pattern like that, you know, whichever it may be one of your few, do you think that it is a special pattern because of the generality of it, that it fits a lot of different boxes and it's like the perfect crossover pattern between different life forms under the water? Or do you think those special patterns tend to do one thing really well and that's why they're special? It depends on the pattern for me. I wrote an article not too long ago. Uh, I call it the superfly, right? I'm always looking for the next superfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one we're talking about continues to be a superfly. And I'll say like the squirmy wormy used to be yeah. a great superfly around here. And then yeah. everybody started fishing it. And well, the productivity went way down. And I will say not too long ago, uh, Grobe actually told me about... <laughs> How's that working out? I'm showing everybody right now. Uh, Grobe told me about a good variation on this super, on the squirmy wormy. And that has made a difference, you know? So Trevor, I think sometimes, you know, it does look, well, the one we're talking about, this trout bitten super fly is, uh, (laughs) is very much in my opinion, uh, a a fly that looks like a number of things. It might be pigeonholed into just one kind of category, but it looks like a lot of things. It's a very general pattern, but the squirmy, man, it looks like a worm. And, you know, if you tie it in pink, which used to be super hot for us, that was the money fly. And then everybody else started fishing it. And, but that has changed over the years. And, but Grobe's little twist on it has made a difference for me around here. And all of a sudden, it's kind of come, come back into my rotation as one of my go-to flies. Yeah. I have exactly the same experience that Dom had with the squirmy, where I was coming out here at the tail end of when it was super productive in PA. And then I came out here, Dom, and felt like I got like two years before it caught on mainstream and just, I remember Pat coming out here and we just lit fish up. Like it wasn't even funny. Wild trout didn't matter. Right. Nope. We just were smoking them. And then you started seeing it in the fly shops. Right. People were throwing it. And that's what led me to that. And this goes back to the trout bitten super fly. Like everybody's fishing (laughs) a variation of that, but, but our, uh, that pattern is just killer. And is it how it's built? And so just like the worm, right? It's a worm, but you can build a worm different. Mm, you know, yeah. you can make it look different with different materials. And so I'm yeah. a believer that you can, you can alter a standard pattern that everybody's yeah. fishing, make it look a little different. And you, you might have a few more fish come to net than, than the guy fishing downstream of you. Yeah. Cool. Austin. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about, I could tell you were thinking the, the amount of pheasant tails we all have in our boxes. You know, every okay. angler in, in the sport probably has a pheasant tail in its box. And how many of them look exactly the same? Mm. Probably not a lot, unless you're buying them. Yet that pattern is so effective that there definitely is a 
uh, a factor of generality that has to come into it. And then also just the ability to actually fish the fly matters a whole lot too. Well, sure. Yeah. So, you know, we could hand someone our super fly and they catch nothing on it, but we know how to fish it. And that also helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. Big time. True story. Yeah. Those small variations though, you know. Yeah. It, my pheasant tail is the best pheasant tail. Is that right? Can I fish it? Give it to me. <laughs> I'd like to fish it. <laughs> it's a clean tie. <laughs> no, because what I'm saying is those subtle variations, it could be just a little bit of sparkle here or there. Something changes about that pheasant tail or about the worm, and that makes all the difference. It doesn't have to be a big difference, but a subtle difference. Well, the fish seem to agree, right? So I'd like to fish yours, Josh. <laughs> give, me, give me your super <laughs> Just gimme. We'll see. Just just gimme. Give, give it here. Gimme. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Mark to send us some of his, you know. That's right. Secret. There you go. Mark, if you're listening, we're wait, I'm waiting on a package. And Trout Bitten's open to deciding. I'm, clo- I'm close I'm close to you. I'm close to you, Mark. So we can we can <laughs> right test on. some stuff out. You close to the Snake River? Yeah, we're not far. Um Is that right? Yeah, I mean I can get to the Henry's Fork in about an hour and forty five. Nah, about two hours. That's close in Montana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two yeah. hours is close. Yeah, yeah. anything, yeah, for sure. Anyway, I think what we're saying to Mark is that, yeah, these patterns can kind of get burned out, right? But then those subtle changes can make a big difference. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Imagine if someone put as much time, thought, and effort into designing fishing apparel as you put into finding fish. Well, someone did. Squala fly fishing builds waders, jackets, shirts, and pants so well-designed, dependable, and comfortable, you hardly notice them. When you're wearing Squala, you're never hot or wet or unreasonably cold, so you can focus on more important things, like fishing. They don't make gear for everybody. They make gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squalafishing.com. Then use the code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your first order from Squala. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. All right, let's get to our topic. Rude on the river. (laughs) Front-ended and the golden rule. Again, one of the worst things that happens to us out there is seeing someone move into the water we were about to fish, or even worse, moving into the water we were actually fishing. (laughs) Guys, what's the worst thing you've ever seen out there? What's your worst story about getting front-ended? Who's going to go on this one? I don't even know where to start. Right. With I'm going to do the most recent one for me. Okay. It was kind of a odd, I don't even know if you call it front-ending, but out here, as everyone knows, there's a, you can, you know, there might be public access. And then when private property hits, you need to stay below the high water mark 
and you can walk as far as you want, right? Yeah. Nobody can stop you from going anywhere. And so <clears throat> I was on a famous tailwater, I don't know, a couple of Saturdays ago. Yeah. And hiked downstream a good way is to get away from people. And y- y- this river braids out and, you know, you can keep your distance even when there's there's crowds. Yeah. And there's holes everywhere. There's no lack of holding water or whatever. It's a Saturday. I'm fishing. And five dudes come in on me. Okay? <laughs> five of them. Five of them. And they crowded me out of the hole. Uh, <laughs> uh, that sucks. And, and it's just like I was furious. Okay, yeah. like yeah. furious about the situation mm. because you don't walk from a parking lot 25 yeah. minutes and then yes. and then out here you can see someone. So they saw me mm. for at least I don't know, a couple hundred yards and they yeah. infringed on the hole and I'm like, "What do you think this hole is? Like it's not the magic hole. Like right. it's it's a good hole, but for crying out loud." And you know what I did? I just I had, I, I, dude, I just walked away and, and then yeah. I saw they were fishing. They couldn't cast and, and, and I should have said something cause they couldn't cast. That's the first indicator that they're probably novice anglers yeah. and maybe yeah, they yeah. don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they don't know. And I want to table this question. Right. I have we'll for get you guys to that. Right. Moving forward. But why did they think like, where does that originate? Right. Where's that it come idea? From? Where does it come from? Mm-hmm. So I'll shut but up. This and is okay. You guys tell. Right. <laughs> Well, in my mind, in a situation like that, especially if they seemed like they were probably novice and not very experienced, then I bet that one of them at some point had a decent time in that hole. And that's why. Yeah. Like, I'm going to bring my friends back. We're going to fish this exact spot. That's a good. We're going to do the same thing that I did when I was successful in this hole. That's fair. Because this was one of the only successful successful times that I've had fly fishing. Good point, Josh. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One of the most memorable, unfortunately, memorable experiences I've had. I was fishing a river that is only, let's say, 50 feet wide, and I was on the left side, and I'm casting, and a guy comes on the other side, and he comes, like, almost, I mean, directly across from me. This was over a sulfur hatch, and I was fishing risers, catching fish, <laughs> and I, he, right across from me, so I just stood there and just kind of stared at him for a minute, stopped casting and stared at him. He starts casting. He's very excited. And I just yelled over to him. I just talked to him because he wasn't that far. I said, hey, what are you doing, bud? And he says something. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I just wanted to fish right here. I said, but, you know, I was kind of fishing right here. He goes, oh, you <laughs> couldn't even cast over here. I'm fishing a different fish. You couldn't cast over here anyway. So I made two casts over there. I actually caught one fish on the second cast. And I, <laughs> it made me feel good about myself. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and then I just moved oh, that's on. nice. And I wasn't trying to be cocky about it, but, the, <laughs> but it did make me feel good. Like, huh, maybe I proved a point to the guy, right? Um, I've had a lot of experiences. Come on, you guys have to have a lot of these, right? Where people front end you and you have a moment, good or bad. It's almost always bad. <laughs> I have a slightly similar one in terms of, you know, catching a fish being involved. I just had a guy hike in right behind me and ask if we could fish the same hole. And just, he was like, I kind of wanted to fish this spot. Can we just fish the same one, rotate every time we catch a fish? And I'm like, do you think we're going to catch like a ton of fish out of here? What? Yeah, that that was his question. He was like, can we just This is not your friend. Yeah. Can we just No, I don't know him. I don't know him. He's like, can we just, can we just rotate? I'm like, well, I was honestly, I kind of couldn't believe it. 
I was feeling nice. I was, I was like, generally, I, I don't respond to that kind of thing with hostility. Right. And so I was just like, yeah. And so I waited like right into the juiciest <laughs> Josh, spot. Josh says, sure. <laughs> there you go. And like, I know that, that like, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to catch a couple fish out of here. And so I like wait into like the, you know how sometimes we'll work up a run and work into yeah. the best spot. Well, I didn't okay. do that at all. I'm like, I'm going to wade right into the spot where some trout are holding so that I can cast to the spot that maybe the trout I want is holding. Yeah, and so prime. I busted up the whole run and I it made sounds... like a couple casts into that spot, caught a fish and like sat back while he fished and obviously nothing He's... was there anymore. Mm. He was playing a Jedi mind trick on Darling and somehow Josh was tying on the magic super <laughs> trout pit fly too. <laughs> trout pit and super fly on. He conned yeah. you into it. Yeah, Jedi mind yeah. tricked them. Oh, I had a guy pull in front of us. I was guiding, and I had a guy pull in front of us. We were parked, and I, honestly, I said, "Hey, you park on the left side. I'm gonna park on the right side." And then <laughs> nobody's gonna park us in. And a guy came, you know, going down the road, and he slows down. I'm thinking, like, "Well, just keep going," but he didn't. And he stopped, and he goes, "Hey, Dom." No, oh, jeez. Oh no. No kidding. He knew my name, and I'm like, oh, "This no. isn't good. This isn't good." And he's like, "Hey, I, I just really wanted to fish right here," and I'm like, "No." It made me very uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, and I told him, well, everybody says that. So I wasn't real <laughs> kind. So I'm like, well, everybody says that. He goes, yeah, you know, hey, do you mind backing up so I can pull in front of you? No kidding. I was like, whoa. Oh, <laughs> that's a step too that's far. Unreal. It made me very uh, uncomfortable. And I'm like, that's just a step too far. Do you mind backing up so I can basically block you in? I don't know. He said, yeah, I just really wanted to, are you guys going downstream or upstream? And I'm like, well, there's not a whole lot downstream. We planned on fishing at all. And he yeah. said, I really wanted to fish upstream. So that's where I'm going to go. Jeez. And I went, of course. Okay. Jeez. Okay. I it's mean, it's real what hard I to do? chalk that yeah. up to any goodwill. Like it's hard to, it's hard for ignorance to be part of that. Right. You know, I like, didn't care for it. Right? Yeah. No, mm -hmm. that's not and cool. So, you know, and then he said, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry to do that to you. I just really wanted to fish right there. And I said, again, well, that's what everybody says. Yeah. And then we walked in. That's about as nice as you could be. Um, yep. I didn't care for it. And no. that, that's just way too bold. And if yep. you want to fish right there, but if somebody is there, don't do it. Don't do that. Don't, don't walk in on people. Mm -mm. Just because you had your mind set on a spot that you were going to fish, like you were saying, Josh, maybe people set up and fished in that spot before and they had success. Well, I'm sorry, but somebody's there before you this time. You need to give it up. You need to move on. You'd be an explorer, like we talked yeah. about in the last podcast. Yeah. I'm sorry, but somebody is the, somebody is already there. You know, you need to respect that space of other anglers. Absolutely. Two weeks ago, I was guiding, and um, I had two anglers with me. Yeah. And for most of the morning, I saw nobody. And yeah. eventually, we started to come around the bend, and there was a really nice hole up on the uh, the top of this uh, bend, and I knew that was the next spot we were going to go hit. And just as that time, I, I looked downstream, and there was another angler. Downstream. And I saw him, and... Yeah, downstream of ourselves, and I saw him and kind of kept my eye on him because I know I know what happens. And leapfrog. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was managing the two of them. They were kind of spaced apart, and I looked back again, and this guy was way further upstream. So yeah. I knew it was happening. So I kind of <laughs> nudged the the one fellow along, say, "Hey, let's go up to this next spot. I want to get some distance between us and this guy down here." Yeah, and uh, so we start to move up the bank, and this guy he practically starts running after us yeah and the one fellow <laughs> who i was with he wasn't a very fast waiter he's you know he was a little older gentleman and 
I stood on the bank and, and kind of waited for to for him to step up and follow me. And yeah. this guy was just gaining on him and gaining on him and gaining <laughs> on him. I was like, this is like ridiculous. So I just told him, hey, you get out. I'm going to go up and just and stand here. Stand there, right. On this without spot. a rod. Either. So, yeah, without a rod. Right. So this guy's going to be this bold. So am I. So I kind of booked it up the stream and planted myself right in there and waited for, uh, you know, him to catch up to me. And just as he did, uh, this guy, he's, he's practically jogging, comes right behind us. <laughs> and I think, ah, you know, he's going to say whatever and, and keep going way upstream out of sight. But no, uh, he hops in right above us, <sighs> fishes the run maybe 10 yards ahead of us. Jeez. Oh. And, you know, slowly fishes his way across the stream, hops over to the other island and it blows up all the water. There you go. Oh, my gosh. That's Man. maybe what frustrates What is that? me the most is when people will front end you get in the water and then just fish it super quick not even efficient yep. and like you said blow it all up and you're like yeah well if you're gonna front end me at least like make something out of the water oh yeah that's the worst and and, and it was another thing that added to it right before he disappeared out of sight he was just across the stream he hooked a fish and lost it and to make sure we knew that he hooked one oh. he yelled in the air and then threw his rod at the water Oh my! <laughs> All right, bud. Come on. Yeah, it's a big event. I think wow. in a guiding situation, I would really say something. Like maybe may, on my own, maybe not. Yeah. But in the situation like that, it's like golly, just I don't know. I'm a little backwards in that, perhaps. Well, let's talk about it, right? Like, how do you deal with it? I'll be honest. Now that I'm guiding, I hardly ever say anything to anyone. When I was yeah. not guiding, and still when I'm uh, just fishing by myself, uh, I'm more apt to say something. We touched on it earlier. Um, I, all right. So a few years ago, I wrote an article on Trout Pit entitled, Front-Ended, Can We Stop Doing This to Each Other? <laughs> Question mark. <Yep. laughs> that was the title. Apparently not. And still, right? Apparently not. It's, it's Still, it's one of the most popular, one of the most shared articles uh, on Trout Pit that I've written. Among other things, I made the point in that article that there are two types of people who will front-end you on the river. And Matt, you touched on this. There's the rookie who will honestly and innocently front-end you, and he doesn't understand the on-stream protocol. And then there's the guy who knows exactly what he's doing, uh, but he doesn't give a shit, and he does it anyway. Yeah. Right? He, I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's like, nah, I want to fish that water. Screw those guys. And that's mm -hmm. the worst, yeah. My buddy Eric yeah. used to say, screw them, they're not me. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was like his approach to nice. life. I'm, I'm serious. He had a different word for it. Screw them, they're not me. And uh, it's like, well, me first right? And that's just bad. I mean, that's a bad yes. way to live. Anyway, yep. um, both of those types of anglers require, well, a different approach. You know, there's the innocent guy who's like, I don't know. Or maybe in his waters, it's perfectly acceptable to go 50 feet above somebody, you know? And but so he doesn't get it. Go ahead. But those waters, so you bring up that point, right? Go ahead. The, those waters. So let's talk about that because I have my own theory as to those yeah. waters like what yeah. what provokes everybody to crowd each other out right in stalking and right yeah it's stalking the bait casting trout. stalking world yep mm -hmm. it's opening day of trout season lined yeah. up shoulder to shoulder yep yeah trevor yeah yeah you're 100 right trevor josh i mean yep. it's, you drive around i remember vividly with my brother we drive around uh on the first day of trout season in pennsylvania yep. just to yep. look at people 
we, we used to call it circling, circling them up. I mean, there would be yep. dudes in a circle and oh, like yeah. guarding the trout. And, and, and to oh. me, that's where I feel like <laughs> this stuff originates for, for people mm. to think that it's okay to come out and hold people's hand, get close enough to where you can hold people's hands and no one's going to say right? anything. They've, yeah. yeah. I've been tripped by a 50 year old man as a kid running to a, running from <laughs> a guardrail down yeah. to a, a reservoir to get a spot to, to fish for stock trout, you know, and the, as a kid, you know, they'd hold you back until 7am or something like that. And then you'd run. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> the, I mean, there were all sorts of poor ethics on display in those things. Where just, I grew up, there was a buzzer. There was a like get a, out. No, <laughs> Illinois, like a really loud. Yeah. yeah, Missouri. Yeah, is where we fished. Okay, really loud buzzer that meant it's okay to start fishing now. Wow, you, opening you know, day. You try to get out, and get in there early so that you could get your ten foot stretch that you really wanted. Woo. And it didn't ten make feet, a difference, baby. You know, whether you were up or above or below that, you were still going to catch fish. So I did a triathlon once. And triathlon. at the start of the race, yeah, triathlon. At the start of the race, running down to the water to swim, it was an all-out vicious affair with punches and elbows being mm-hmm. thrown. Yeah. And even in the water, people are pulling each other under and oh, trying yeah. to climb over each other and what? pushing each other down. It's a complete animal huh. display. Oh, and, so let's uh, not take that to fishing. Yeah, yeah, right? But I think that's where a little bit of this... I think the bait casting in the the stock trout world is where a little bit of this comes. Yeah, in, at least for the novice. Right? Sure. Yeah, we're we're touching base on the novice yeah. piece, and I think that's exactly. that's a good baseline for for our guess as to what okay. like who, how did this develop in 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 yeah. fishing? That's our trout bit and uh, our best best guess, and I like it. Me too. Since 2010, Smith Creek New Zealand has provided innovative, high-quality angling solutions designed to free up your hands, keep your gear in easy reach, and keep our waters clean. Smith Creek's award-winning rod clip attaches to your vest and grips a variety of rod sizes, freeing up your hands to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough, using high-quality materials like anodized marine-grade aluminum, non-corrosive fasteners, and UV-resistant nylon. To learn more about other innovative products, such as the patented net holster, spent line wrangler, or rod rack, visit smithcreek.co. That's smithcreek.co. Tactical Fly Fisher was started in 2015 by fly fishing team USA angler Devin Olson with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy a urine rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered. And our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to tacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. Yeah, I suppose, you know, if you're, if you're uh, first day focused, um, you're obviously going to see the most anglers, no matter where you are. If you've got a buzzer <laughs> in Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. or here it's, what, 7 o'clock, I think, 7 o'clock, maybe, on the first day. Usually the second Saturday in April is our official start of trout season, although we've been fishing all the regular waters, yeah. the uh, unstocked waters, all year long. Um, no matter where you're coming from, yeah, 
that first weekend is going to show you a whole bunch of anglers. And you maybe you do think, if you're a novice, um, maybe you do think, well, this is just fishing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have somebody 10 feet to my left and 20 feet to my right, and this is just how it is. And then maybe you decide to go fishing, you know, a month later, and that's not how it is anymore. Um, maybe you're taking that over. Uh, that's when I think it is valuable to, oh, I suppose, try to educate people who are on the water. I, for years, that was, oh, I want to say it was kind of a mission of mine. If somebody would front end me, it would make me mad. It would make me frustrated. Yeah. And I try not to be frustrated, but a way to not be as frustrated was for me to just say something to the person. Mm. But I got in my share of arguments and I went, this is dumb. I'm not trying to get in an argument, but I do want to tell the person, hey, that was not okay. That wasn't all right. I don't like what you did there and nobody else would either. You know, and around here, we don't mm-hmm. do that. And yeah. so I tried to, for lack of better words, sort of educate people maybe that were from out of the area or that were, let's say, novice fishermen who, ha- you know, didn't understand that this is the protocol. You are breaking a code, unwritten or not. That's not cool. We don't do that to each other. So I found different ways to say that to people and then move on. Really, like I was not trying to ruin my day by getting into an argument with somebody. But I just wanted to say, as I passed, and one of the things that I would say, this is my best one, so I'll just get right to it. My grandfather used to say this. Hey, can we still be friends if I ask you to give me a lot more room? (laughs) Can we still be friends? Like we're friends. I like that. that. Right? I like that that And that's the best one. And I would often say Some humor in there. Yeah. Right, right. Hey, can we still be friends if I ask you to, what, like go to the next rundown or, you know, give me a lot more space next time? And then I'm just moving on. I am not trying to get in an argument with you because it never goes well and it ruins my day and maybe the other person's. But I don't want people to think that it's okay to put in 50 feet above me because some of them don't understand, you know. I think that shows maturity. And I think, you know, any of us who have, I think we probably, most of us at least, have been in a situation where we've gone too far and saying something. And I think it's really hard to reel that back in once you've gone down that path and, and then you, your adrenaline response kicks in. And then you, yeah, even whenever point. you do end up moving on from that situation, you just sort of fried your day, you know. And yeah. I, in, yeah, personally, it's really hard to settle back down into any enjoyable rhythm of fishing. And you almost want to just pick up and just relocate entire streams mm-hmm. almost, you know. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think to that point, it's, it's really helpful to think through this and I hope for our listeners too that this could be one of the more valuable aspects of listening to this podcast is to think through your own personal responses. And while it, mm-hmm. it can be real fun to share stories about how you blew somebody off and really told them, I don't think <sighs> that's the message that we want to convey, right? No, and, it never and, goes well. No, it never goes well. And and honestly, <laughs> it doesn't make a believer out of them, right? Like all they think no. is, well, this jerk came up and, and got in a fight and and I'm going to keep doing what I do because they're a jerk. Yeah. yeah. But when mm. you approach it in that mature way and kind of civilly and you, I mean, I think that's, maybe I'll borrow your, your phrase even. Grandfather's because, way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You borrow from that. Um, do you guys have any other that's good. good ways of, you know, getting the point across without getting into an argument? Don't throw rocks. <laughs> at the head that doesn't you know, work you throw them at their legs to, or at their, in yeah. their water don't throw rocks at their head yeah that's how no they, lethal yeah. shots that's bad enemies. yeah 
Yeah, I tend to not be super confrontational with stuff like that in in general. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I uh, have at times a lot of times where somebody will front end me. Sometimes it's by you know by fifty feet. Sometimes it's by twenty feet. Sometimes it's by you know fifty yards. And even fifty yards feels like why'd you do that? I'm gonna work Sometimes, into that yeah. in like ten minutes. Yeah. You know, and uh, if they're closer, a lot of the times I'll I will walk up to them. And just kind of stand behind them until they acknowledge me. And, yeah. and once they do, I'll just be like, hey, well, what's your plan? Like, are you going to keep fishing up from here? Are you planning That's on nice. getting out and moving to a different spot? And sometimes yeah. that actually has initiated some kind of uh, interaction where even they'll like apologize. Like, hey, sorry, I, I mm. didn't know what you were doing. I'm like, yeah, I'll it's like all that. good. I just want to get to know like what, what, mm-hmm. what your plan is so cool. that I can know where to fish without getting in your way. You know, like and it, it, it's like, oh, nice. It makes me seem really nice, but really it's me trying to show them what they should have done. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a, that's that's a good And, stra- and let them know that I want it. space, you know. That is a good right. strategy. If there's nobody else in sight, don't jump in even 50 yards ahead of somebody, right? Yeah. We'll get to that. Maybe the protocol and the unwritten rules. Anything else there with guys? Well, like, what do you like to say? The last time this happened to me, I didn't say a thing. I just kind of walked upstream with the guy and just kind of I just watched him and I yeah. walked lockstep with him the whole way and just stayed across oh, street it's like Michael Myers creepy and, wa- <laughs> <laughs> and I just sort of sort of tried to keep an impassive <laughs> look on my face and he eventually just walked out and left and I don't know if I just disconcerted him you. a little bit it's the but intimidation. It, it really did seem effective. I need to fish with Trevor more because that would be <laughs> awesome that's yeah, a good one. It was good. <laughs> and just stare him down. See, I, I don't say anything. Yeah. My if they fish the same hole, if someone comes in on me and I'm and they're fishing the same run, I blow yeah. the hole up. I walk right through the guts and I wade <laughs> up to my chest and blow it nice. blow it up and don't say a word and just leave. <laughs> Very calmly burn the house down. They understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, fake snag. And just blow it up. And then I yeah. move on. Fake snag. So yeah, awesome. if you're fishing by me and some jack and somebody walks through the hole, it's probably me fishing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had an angler. Uh, there was really nobody else on the river. And a, a guy standing behind me. I was kind of at the uh, middle of a pool, let's say, and sort of uh, where the run settles down into the pool, right? And I liked it. It was going well for me. And I was catching fish. And the guy, I saw him over on the main path. And then he came and crossed the river way down below. And then he came up. And he's just standing behind me, make me making me, again, a little uncomfortable. I fished mm-hmm. for another five minutes or something, trying to ignore him. And I looked back and I said, hey, you need something? And he goes, I'm just waiting to fish that spot. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, go, I look at him. I go, well, we don't do that around here. Like, that's not what we <laughs> do. Like, like, there's, there's water above, there's water below. Like, we don't do that around here. And then he did move on. And nice. by the same token, here's another one. This one isn't from my grandfather, but here's something I'll say once in a while. Somebody front ends me, and it's, let's, let's say, un- beyond unsavable. Like, th- you're not going to say anything to them, have them back out and whatever, still be able to fish that water. So now I'm going to relocate. But as I go up past them, I will say, like, hey, where are you from? And they'll say, oh, I'm from New York. And I'll say, well, we don't get that close to other anglers around here. We give each other a lot more space. And then I'm done. I am not trying to get in an argument with you. I just want to let you know, you know, kind of how it is around here. And like it makes that. me, like it makes me feel better. <laughs> it does. It makes me feel better. 
And then, because maybe I did educate somebody who was, let's say, innocently just front-ending me. And then even, even if it was that just that rude guy, at least I got to say something to him. Like, hey, that wasn't cool. Yeah. You know? Right. I like Do that. you find yeah, it being like any, as like a generational thing at all out there? Do you see any correlation in age or is it all over the place? It's all over the place for me when I see it. Right. It could be any age. They'll do it to you in any way. Interesting. Yeah. The experience yeah, I, what about you, is probably Matt? more of a factor. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that to, to Josh's point right there, he hit it on the head. And that's why I'm somewhat, you know, maybe I'll be hesitant in blowing up the, the hmm. dude's hole. Because I can totally tell by the way they're casting hmm. where they're at. In, in the game, right? and If they're and, doing and it innocently point, or on purpose. Right. And maybe it's worth and, yeah. just saying, hey, man, you know, we don't do that around here. I like that, Dom. Like, that, that's not how we do things in Montana or Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's just not how we rule. And so maybe that guy gets the benefit of the doubt. But if, they, if you have this guy that can cast and, you know, is all decked right. out in his fishing gear, and we really haven't hit on this guy, right? what's his mm. deal like what is that guy's deal what is he trying to prove <laughs> oh he doesn't care about you that's his yeah, deal right. is he doesn't care about yeah. you he thinks well i hate to say it, but he thinks he's better than you and he's just gonna well I, this is where i want to fish so screw that guy he probably thinks you're the rookie and he's like well i'm just gonna i'm gonna fish here and i'm gonna fish above him and i'm gonna do whatever i want that's not very right. nice <laughs> no, not. no matt not, you brought up a you know, like the the whole like that's not how we do this things around here might even be more useful on somebody who's a little bit more experienced. Because if you have yeah, if you have somebody I who is you. newer to this, then you've got mm-hmm. this opportunity to give them a good experience with it, knowing that you have countless hours on the water and you're gonna be along on the water a lot more than they are. You've got this this opportunity to say, like, I can teach them something, but I can also make this a good experience for them so that they don't think that this whole fly fishing thing is this you know, elitist. elitist thing of right. snobs, you know? Right. And so you can kind of help them, you know? Yeah. Their casting looks rough. You can, you, we can spot that immediately, right? We can sp- see like, this guy knows what he's doing or this guy <laughs> is new. I can help this be a good experience sure. for him and let him have this hole because it's not that important to me right now because I'll be out tomorrow, you know? Sure. I love that. Yeah, that's fair. Do you guys think that overcrowding has it, there's any justification that if you go to a stretch that's overcrowded and it's whatever, six o'clock, bugs are about to fall, and you've driven all over the place and every pullout's loaded, like is there any situation where there's a justification to high-holing individuals? Well, that gets mm. to the point of what's high-holing. Is it is it 50 feet? Is it 50 yards? Is it 500 yards? You know? Good question. Yeah, good. Right. What is it? Yeah, you want to break that down? Is it to the situation? Yeah. Relative is the is the key word. I yeah, mean, fifty I feet during the Green Drake hatch might be accurate. You know, right around here, right on one of our favorite streams, right. you're gonna have ten, maybe twenty times the anglers as you did the week before, and so you have to just put up with more people out there, and how that space required to give another angler changes, right? Yeah, yeah. But you should be I able agree. to give. I mean, they should be able to give. Fifty feet was a stretch. Yeah, yeah fifty yeah, feet's crazy. I mean, everybody, you should never get, get within hole. fifty feet. Like yeah, yeah. in the spinner fall, from my from my experience there, it was yeah. right. Whatever. If there's a guy up in the in the hole above me and it's it's seven forty five and we're all we're we're all there for one reason. You're you're gonna get your dozen fish in your hole 
and and mm-hmm. I'm there to to catch those twelve <laughs> fish. Like that's okay. I get that. Like you slid in above me. We're here for a reason. But if you like at two o'clock, there's no dry fly activity, and you're nymphing, and you start you high hole somebody that's working a run, right? Right? Like yeah. yeah. To me, that's a little bit less acceptable than at the end of the night. Right on. I always break the river down into what I call levels. And that level break is Mm -hmm. where you could walk upstream in the next level and not disrupt the fish that I'm fishing to. And that Mm -hmm. level, it's very stream dependent, river dependent. That level could be 100 yards. And sometimes it could be, oh, again, like 50 feet. Sometimes you have level break after level break after level break. And it's really where the, where the river goes over a hump or, you know, it kind of yeah. breaks, yeah. Go, usually creates some white water and then boom, down into the next level. So in my opinion, there is never any good reason to jump into somebody's level. I don't care how, how crowded the stream is. I will not jump into somebody's level. Now, again, if you have levels that are just 100 feet long, then okay, if the stream is really crowded, like we acknowledge, then sometimes I have to get, I hardly ever fish like this with that many people. But if I am, then yeah, I'm going to have to go, wow, there's a guy there, there's a guy there, there's a guy there. So I'm going to have to get within 100 feet of this guy, but at least I'm not going to jump in his level. That's all his. I like that too. Where I'm going to go is where I'm not going to disrupt his fish downstream of me. Right on. Every stream has those natural level breaks. I'm not saying you always have to do that, but obviously some rivers are big and they have very long levels. And yeah, people will space themselves out. Personally, and I think we were talking about this in the last podcast, I'd much rather go places where I don't have to worry about that. Right. My golden rule is I'm going to give every angler the space that I would want and then like twice that. And I'm not kidding. Basically, I go out of sight. I said last week that I'm not... Most days when I'm out on the river, I don't, I'm not seeing anybody because I kind of do know, just like you guys, I, I often know where to go and I'm probably not going to see anybody because of parking strategies and all the things we talked about last week. And when I do see somebody, I go, hmm, all right, hey, I'm going to go out of sight, way, way out and around because that's what I would like that angler to do for me. Yeah. And I will seriously do that for that person. You got to respect that space. They're there for the same reason that you are. Let's assume that, right? So don't crowd them. There's no good reason to crowd them. Yeah. I do the same thing. I think there's a second portion to that thought. I, okay. I like to do the, the you know, walk way out around so they don't see me. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to break their, you know, their moment or their experience. Yeah. The other reason I like them not to see me is so they also just don't know I'm there. Okay. Because when people know that you're upstream of them, they have the tendency to, start fishing faster and think, mm-hmm. oh, now I got to get ahead of him. Right. Then it yeah. becomes a game and right? jumping. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want that urgency put in anybody. Right. Right. So go way out around. That helps everybody yeah. Then, yeah. in that case. And to your level's point, Dom, in the most cases on our rivers, mm-hmm. specifically with the size that we're, uh, of rivers that we're fishing, yeah, two levels is usually out of sight by a good right. bit. Good point. Sometimes around one. A, you know? Around a bend. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. To where even if question. they do run into you, like it's like, well, he wasn't high holding me. He was mm-hmm. just fishing, yeah. a, you know, a bit above the, you know, higher up on the river than I was. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even like, if I think I've gone far enough, before mm-hmm. I get in the water, you know, I get downstream. Let's say it's a long straightaway. Yeah. If I can get down there and still see that person, 
or if I get down there and I think I've walked further than I actually have, you know, always look back downstream and see where they're at or, you know, pick a a landmark as to where they're close to or something and say, Ooh, that's not, that's not as far as I thought I should keep going. Sure. Right. Don't hesitate to get back out and keep going. Just give them more room because that's what you would want. You know, take what you would like and then double it. Yeah. Other people have said that. I like that. I, I consider that the golden rule. Now, real briefly, I know this probably affects you, Grove, a little bit more than it does us, but to to what extent does this play into a drifting angler in respect to a waiting angler? Ooh, and do you guys different. have the same expectation in terms of like where do they pull their line out of the water? Uh, because I've had, I would say that most of my experiences around these parts with drifting anglers violate what I would consider a tactful halo of distance halo. in regards to to their fishing yes yeah. Nice. yeah i mean i th- i think i'll chime in out here i mean i i think people are pretty respectable from what i've seen out here i nice. mean it's a standard that you you Good. pick up your rod and you pick up your line when you approach a weight angler and you don't fish i mean it's yeah. you you give them a good you know 20 yards up, 20 yards down, uh, at least right before you pick up and start fishing again. Uh, that's yeah, kind of yeah. a unwritten rule. So yeah, I mean that, that, that's at least out here. And then even guys wait, you know, if, if you're fishing a hole where you got one spot for that boat to go, yeah, it's very uncommon not to hear the, the rower say, Hey, sorry, or acknowledge exactly yeah. what he's doing. And, and that's great. Yeah. Like acknowledge it. Like I get it, man. Yeah. You can't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But if you come, you know, slapping your oars down and everybody, if you got guys casting mm-hmm. out on both sides of the boat, well, yeah, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's not cool. <laughs> I had something happen to me on Friday where I was fishing with a buddy and uh, he was upstream of me in this beautiful run. Yeah. And these kayakers came downstream unexpectedly. And, you know, you kind of always wait to see what they're going to do, right? right. Are they going to try to go around them or are they just going to go right through the easy spot? And they went right through the easy spot. Sure they did. Yeah. So I figured they're going to do the same thing to me. So I just kind of pinned myself up against the far bank as I could yeah. to make it very inconvenient. Yeah. And they, uh, they kind of changed their course pretty drastically to get yeah. around us. And I said, hey, thanks. I said, yeah, we're trying our best. So I thought, eh. Yeah, All right, maybe they go. were. Maybe they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> the non-anglers kind of present a yeah. whole different scenario. We were on oh, one of sure. our popular streams. Joey, uh, my oldest son at the time, I'm going to say he was 9 or 10 years old, and he was just kind of breaking into that little bit of independent fishing, but he's still pretty much right beside me. And like you said, Austin, I, I saw these kayakers coming, and it was getting to be lower flows too toward the summer. And I'm like, hmm, that's where all the fish are. And I kind of pinned myself, yeah. almost like you said, very close to the bank. There was 15 feet between me, Joey, and the bank. And the kayaker still went. Actually, his buddy went out and around. His buddy went out and he kind of scraped. And then he even got out of his kayak and went around. I was like, yeah, that's nice. totally fine. Right. And then this second guy just goes blows right through us. <laughs> I mean 15 feet. So he's like seven feet away from me when he goes past. Jeez. And I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, this kid's like nine years old, and you're 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 just you're plowing right through his water. <laughs> and, yeah. And he goes, "Hey, what else could I do?" I go, "You could do what your friend did," and that was it. Yeah. There you know, you go. and whatever that that's a that's kind of a different thing. We're not going to speak to those people here on this podcast, right? <laughs> no, Nobody's <it's> listening. <laughs> None of the kayakers, right? That's a different. But world. it's a thing. 
I mean, it that's is, a, that's it a, is. Yeah. sharing the water with other recreationists. I mean, that's a, that's a yeah. thing out here too. And sure. Sure. Yeah. Can still happen um, with rafts or drift boats. Yes. Oh yeah, for yep. sure. And I will say, I mean, you got to have some forgiveness there. There's lots of people in kayaks who maybe it's sure. the first or second time they don't have control over the kayaks and they don't really know what they're doing. They had to, they don't understand any of that protocol. That's why I wanted to thank them. So they'd know that, Oh, this angler is thankful that I yeah, did this. I'll right. do it the next time I, run into this situation i'm yeah. seriously all about like sharing the water that's great i and yeah. you know we're talking here like <laughs> i remember this when i was 12 years old back in western pa fishing mostly stocked streams and so people were out out for the meat right and people would front end you and i remember oh maybe like even at 12 years old saying something to somebody and the guy's like well you don't own the river that's what it always comes down to right <laughs> don't they always say there that that's yeah. probably the first time i ever had somebody say that to me Somebody told me, well, you don't own the river. And I remember thinking, like, well, I didn't think that I owned the river. I was just thinking that wasn't very nice. <laughs> it wasn't my argument. Right. right that's now. not my argument. And yeah. that's what it comes down to. People <laughs> want to tell you that you don't own the river. And I just want to be real clear here. In this podcast, as in this discussion, none of us are saying that we own this piece of water or this <laughs> should just be ours and not yours. No, no, no. The point is we were here. And you need to respect that space. We all need to respect that space. And if Trevor, you're upstream and I don't know you, but you're, you know, let's say you're yeah. hundred yards up. When I go around the bend and I see that you're there, I'm going to go, dang, that guy got there before me. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm going to go below yeah. him probably, you know, way below yeah. him. Like Austin said, out of sight. And I'm, I'm I have to rearrange my plans because Trevor was there first. Sure. Yeah, I have long legs. Do you, Do you guys feel like it's safe to say that we're we're basically speaking on behalf of wild trout waters okay. in general, like that this is kind of the expectation or the, the, the proper etiquette when you're fishing a wild trout stream, mm -hmm. you know, this is what should be abided by out there because there are situations, Don, yeah. you just pointed it, pointed it out. Western yeah. PA stocked waters where maybe it's a little harder to abide by these rules. Yeah. And I can think of it in a completely different, it's fishing, but think of the eerie steelhead trips. Oh my, that, yes. It, oh my, yeah. Um, but I'm saying if, you, if you're coming from there and you, and right. you show up to a central PA limestoner, yeah. would you know any different after what you witness up there? So it's very, you know, convoluted when you're fishing different things and then you go to the, you know, the, these other waters and there's a different set of rules, but it's, yeah. it should be, these rules should be listened to and they should be abided by because it'll just enhance the experience for everybody, you know, that comes to appreciate them. I think that's a great point, Grove. And I think there is some relativity to whether you're talking about fly fishing wild trout streams or you're fishing stocked waterways or you're fishing Erie steelhead or you're fishing lake run brown trout up in New York or, you know, whatever you choose, I do think that there's some relativity to the concepts that we're talking about. Yeah. But the important thing is to learn the concepts related to the sport that you want to engage in and yeah. try your best to treat others like that golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated on that water. And if you're new like to that it. water and to that sport, yeah, mm. maybe ask, go to your local fly shop and ask some questions about Hey, what is the, what's the standard around here? You know, what, what do you think is, is a, a good etiquette in this regard? And hopefully they can teach you that. I know 
maybe not in all cases. But that's a pretty cool idea, though, Trevor. You know, how many people you think actually ask a fly shop employee that <laughs> ever? Like, how much? They're too busy asking for the best fly. Oh, right, right, right. But no it, one ever asked. Nobody, right? Austin, you worked. Yeah. How many years? Uh, three, I guess. Right, and nobody ever asked yeah. you that, right? But that would be a fantastic no. question to ask because, like Matt said, right. there are so many different scenarios. Anyway, if nothing else, just look around. Are people, right. you know, going, you know, hundred feet in front of each other, or is there nobody in sight? Well, okay, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up and around the bend and give this guy some space. There's really no excuse for it, you know. I thought this was pretty neat. Um, Orvis recently came out with the video. Tom Rosenbauer saw that. Uh, gave like the that. explanation mm-hmm. of fishing etiquette, and he gave a uh, an entertaining example of what not to do versus what to do. Yeah, and uh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool to see that come out. I know. I like that. Just because it's kind of the first first time I've seen uh, effort put into that sort of education. Right, and Tom's strategy was to say, hey, are you fishing upstream or downstream? Which way would you like me to go? And how much yeah. time, how much space would you like to have? I mean, what's wrong there with you asking go. that? Yeah, you know, if there's right? nobody else yeah. out there, or, or if there's three people out there, whatever, ask the guy that you're about the front end, hey, do you mind, what, how much room would you like to have? That's fantastic. It How's is. that going to hurt anything? Sometimes I wish we had a system of like, Let's say you pull into the lot and there's one car there and that guy or girl could have easily gone downstream or upstream, but you don't know which way they went. Yeah. Like if you just had yeah. a note on your windshield saying, hey, I went down. Do you know people <laughs> do something. that? Yeah. Well, I've never run into it, but I wish I had. I, I have. We said last week how if, you're, if you really want to find your space, you go to a you know, headwaters stream, a tributary, right? And I had a guy, I actually got back after fishing and a guy left, he was parked fairly close to me and I saw seriously like you said a note on his windshield that said I went downstream I assume he left that for me Hmm. I've seen it one other time maybe two other times just went downstream went upstream nothing wrong with that you know that's yeah that's all right no not at all you know you signal your intentions yeah it's good for everybody more communication and more positive communication right yeah so somebody said about angler ethics or etiquette and when I think about this. I was actually thinking about maybe this podcast topic would be ethics or angler etiquette. Doesn't it always come down to this though? Isn't this it? I mean, really we talked about rudeness on the river or space or front ending. I mean, that's our topic. Because doesn't ethics and etiquette always kind of come down to this? What else is there? Am I missing something? No, you're right. I mean, it, it's yeah, spot respect, on. ethics. I mean, right? come on, we're we're all out there to to share a resource, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to promote, you know, a good time for, for everybody, right? To, to be had. And so mm-hmm. don't be that, don't be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does come down, I think, to just space and respecting that space out there. Uh, other people's experience, Ex- respect their experience, yeah. respect their space. Of course, you want to treat the trout right. And we've addressed that a lot in the how to handle a trout in the first season. Um, and that's ethics, you know. Is there is there another part of angler ethics, or does it always come back to this? I don't know why in my mind I've always considered ethics to be kind of, kind of how we treat the resource and etiquette to be how we treat each other. But nice, cool, yeah. Tell us more about that. I think that's good, Josh. Well, yeah. I mean, you kind of said it. We we talked a lot about 
how we handle like releasing fish, fighting fish quickly and all that. That's, mm. you know, in my mind that the connection is faster to get to ethics there. And I'm sure that we'll have a lot more discussions on things like that in the future. And then, but with etiquette, I really do think kind of what you're saying is correct. It sort of always comes back to, are we going to give each other the space and mm. the ability to, to enjoy the resource? Mm. That's a great distinction though. I like that. Anything else, guys? Yeah, so all this all this talk about the ethics, right? Like we're always shocked when somebody, you know, does an unethical thing when you're fishing a wild trout stream and you get yeah. front-ended. And there was a time where, I think it was early 2000, mm. I was out on the San Juan River in New Mexico. Yeah. And my brother used to live in Durango. A phenomenal fishery, right? And uh, they have names for all the holes. So yeah. there's the, the kitty yeah. pool and the Texas mm-hmm. hole. And there's yeah. there's all these funny names. So we're booting up in a parking lot. And it was the first time I had ever been there. And, you know, you could, I guess on my face, it was excitement of a, you know, whatever, early 20s kid with my cowboy hat on. And I'm fishing out west for the first time. Heck yeah. And there's this old timer taking his boots off. And, and the parking lot, mind you, is just packed. Right. Mm. And I come walking past this dude and I'll never forget this. And he, he looks at me and he says, <laughs> welcome to the ass hole. And I'm like, I'm like, what the, welcome to it has the a clever asshole. name. I, th- I thought, I thought this was the kiddie pool. <laughs> and, and I go out into the water and I got front ended all day long and 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 i think back to that guy and he he warned me yeah i was fishing the asshole and it was acceptable (laughs) for everybody to be assholes out there and walk around each other so if you ever want to go to the land of the high hole yeah hit the san juan river up in new mexico (laughs) at peak season (laughs) you have the worst the worst place to go yeah, <laughs> I thought I it was funny though because I remember just being like, "What is this place?" And then thinking back to that old timer, and he warned me. Oh, I'm never going there. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Not my. It does sound terrible. Not my spot. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, yeah, hopefully a bunch of the the San Juan guys don't make their way to Central PA, <laughs> right? Because they'll have different expectations. But if sure. they're right, but like we said, if they're uh, if they're <laughs> open-minded, they'll look around and say, well, people aren't doing that to each other. I'm not going to do it. Round do here. Right, round here. I'm not going to do that. Any other quick tips for, uh, you know, how to deal with front-enders, guys? You got any things like my grandfather had? One last thought. Uh, if, if I do get front-ended, and let's say it's I at least have another level, or at least have my full yeah. level, yeah. Um, I take my time. Because on days like that, I maximize the water that I have. Sure. If there's another angle in front of me, chances are decent. There probably won't be another one that gets in between me and them. Hmm. And I'm going to fish all the water I have until I either meet that person or overlap my water with theirs yeah. and then get out and walk around. Yeah, because I have found myself trying to do the leapfrog game where I'm going to get in front of that guy and then he's mm-hmm. going to get in front of me. And then I'm going to get in front of that guy and then he's going to get in front of me. That's no fun. Nobody's actually fishing no. anything. You're just trying to one-up the next guy. That's a stupid game, and you're not fishing. That's a cool thing, Austin. I mean, 
Oh, we've talked so often about uh, changing your tactics, possibly changing your flies, you know, trying to really maximize the water in front of you. That's a good game too. And our buddy Bill isn't here and Bill probably wouldn't like that because he likes to fish so fast. So Bill probably, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad he's not here because Bill probably has some great stories about getting front-ended because Bill's constantly running into other anglers because oh, he, he fishes so much faster than everybody else. But yeah, uh, trying to make the most of what's in front of you instead of always looking for the grass is greener on the other side of that guy. That's cool. Austin, you have a story? You want to tell a Bill story since he isn't here? So Bill, Bill went fishing, I think maybe after work and it was going to be a short trip. Yeah. And he got to this small little brook trout stream near his home yeah where normally he, he sees no one and just by chance he's putting on his boots and another car pulls oh. and uh i think bill the way he explained it was that he first tried to be courteous and tell them where he was going yeah and a couple anglers got out of the car and then agreed that they're also going to the same spot and they said something like along the lines of, oh, we'll, we'll go down ahead of you. We'll just get ahead of you. And Bill goes, no, that's called being a dick. <laughs> and he says it right to his face, you know, because Bill yeah. doesn't care. No. And uh, he said basically they were stunned and uh, didn't bother him. And then he told them what they should do, <laughs> which is don't go in Maybe. front end me. You know, how about you go yeah. downstream, I'll go upstream or whatever. No, that's called yeah. being a dick. I remember that story. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, he told him, we'll just get right ahead of you. And Bill's like, no, you're not. <laughs> that's not how it goes. <laughs> Don't do that around here. Who is this guy? All right, there it is. Thanks to my trout pitting friends for another great conversation. So conflict on the river is the last thing that anyone wants out there. We go fishing to get away from things, to have a little space, and to just sink into nature for a while. And arguments about river space never turn out well. It's a big world out there, and there's enough water for everyone. But inevitably, we do fish around other anglers. Sometimes that's enjoyable too, but not when another fisherman works into your water. Is it really your water? Of course not. But if you were there first, then respect for another's space should be granted. The tricky thing is knowing how much space to give another angler, because as we've said here, there are many factors to consider. But if you look around a bit, if you keep an open mind in a new area and honestly try to feel things out, the answers are pretty obvious. If there's just one angler in sight, then give him the courtesy of going around the next bend. Give him space. Remember the golden rule, and even while fishing a crowded stream, never set up in the same level. Never wade into the water that another angler is working. Respect their space. And as far as handling infringements on these unwritten rules or the code of conduct, the simplest thing may just be to walk away. But it may also be helpful to share some local expectations and pass down that code. Sometimes. All right, thanks again to everyone here, to our show sponsors, and to you, the listeners out there. Trevor, will you read us out? Remember, TroutBitten.com is a free resource for all anglers. With over 800 articles, there are stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water.
I am weird. He's special. What are you using? Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Just fish it. Look at the guns on Young Love. Everybody, real quick. Look at the guns. A lot of senio. It's been winter. So you haven't seen my arms in a while. You're going to get used to it again. He does that once a podcast just to check to see if we're looking. He must high stick for a living. <laughs> he, <laughs> he must, must high stick. <laughs> 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 this is what I do. Man, it looks like a worm. <laughs>